Hello and welcome to the Ethics Pod, episode 5. Today we're going to be looking at strengths of virtue ethics. I'm here with my head of department, Chris Cooney. Hello, great to be here. I'm glad you're here. And uh, we're going to be looking, as I said, at the strengths of virtue ethics. Now, today in the episode, we're going to be talking about them in relation to a 15-mark question, which for the AQA uh, examinees, is that a word? Yeah. Brilliant. Means that you're going to be evaluating the strengths or weaknesses or the functionality of an ethical process. So the question we're going to be focusing on and our responses and weaknesses on today is going to be based around this question. A character-based system of ethical decision-making is unsatisfactory. Evaluate this claim. Now with these evaluation questions, I feel that there's a real skill behind answering them effectively. So Chris, do you want to try and tell us about how students should approach these questions? Good, yeah. I think um, one of the key traps that pupils do fall into is seeing that it's an evaluation question and therefore requires looking at the strengths and weaknesses of a theory and therefore they just write about those. But the key is to apply them to the actual wording of the question. So in this case today, we're looking at whether virtue ethics is unsatisfactory. That word could have been completely different. It could have been reasonable. It could have been easy to use. Now, granted, the strengths and weaknesses the pupils talk about will be similar in this answer, but how they apply them is where the evaluation comes in. Good. So it's where they explain what they're putting rather than the strengths and weakness itself. It's how they then explain how that strength and weakness is linked to that question, whether it's unsatisfactory, whether it's reasonable. Good, yeah, and I think it's um, very important that pupils are not just putting down a strength or a weakness because it's in the textbook. The strength or weakness that they're using, they need to justify why they've put that in that particular question, and that is what is linking back to this keyword. Great, so if we are a student sitting in this exam, we need to make sure that actually, before we even start answering it, we need to identify the key terms within it and make sure that the end of our paragraphs are all linking back towards answering the question quite clearly. Exactly. Like I say to my pupils, they might know the reason why they've put it, um, but the key is to show me that they know that they've put that down as a point. Wonderful. Right then. So looking at the term unsatisfactory for our question, let's get cracking. So what does unsatisfactory mean then? <laughs> so it's, it's quite a broad term. It is very broad. And I think that's the, the trick of these types of questions is that it gives that open-endedness to how pupils can answer it. And you can really see the difference between the, quest, the answers that have addressed the word unsatisfactory and which ones haven't. Um, so in this case, the question is asking, if we take virtue ethics, um, is it a good enough theory? So by that, we need to establish our own set of criteria by which we judge it to be satisfactory or unsatisfactory, i.e. does virtue ethics do what it's meant to do? So if we are going to define it, which I recommend that you do in your first paragraph when you're starting this question, you want to make sure that you make clear what unsatisfactory or satisfactory means in it. So for the purposes of the podcast, we're going to say that unsatisfactory or satisfactory is that Virtue ethics needs to be a practical, usable, ethical system. So if it's unsatisfactory, that means that it's not practical, it's not usable as an ethical system. So define it yourself at the start, whichever definition you're comfortable with, and then make sure that you link your answers to your own definition. Great. So 
Strength number one, virtue ethics allows you to learn from your mistakes and become a good person over time. And I think most people would agree that this is the most realistic way of looking at ethics and realistic way of looking at how to be a good person. Fantastic. Now, most pupils at this point in an essay would stop at that point. They've made their point. They've said the strength of virtue is it allows you to learn from your mistakes. Now, there, there's no link back to how that makes virtue ethics satisfactory or unsatisfactory. So at this point is where we would need to address that. Yeah, so we'd be saying that, therefore, virtue ethics is satisfactory because it means that people can accept that they've made moral errors in the past, but actually then go on to improve their actions as a result and become closer and link back to the golden mean and get closer to flourishing. And if we look at what we would want as people from an ethical system, we would want it to be useful and usable, but also to uh, be complementary to what we're like as people. Now, this point in virtue really does link with that. So a satisfactory ethical theory would link to what it's like to be a person. So being able to make mistakes and learn from them really definitely ticks that box. Yeah. So if we were addressing the question of it being unsatisfactory, from a strength point of view, we say, well, actually... It's not unsatisfactory. It is quite satisfactory because it looks at us as humans. Exactly. Now, it might seem that we've said the word satisfactory quite a lot of times, um, but that is very important. And that's because the whole question (laughs) focused around whether or not it is satisfactory. Unfortunately, I have read essays um, written by pupils in which the word unsatisfactory is not used once, even though it's in the question. (laughs) So make sure you use it, but don't use it as much as we're talking about it. (laughs) Okay, on to strength number two, which is that Virtue ethics is flexible as it's not based upon absolute rules that cannot be broken. So with it being based on character, that means that it's got more flexibility than deontological ethics, which gives you rules that can or cannot be broken. Take Kant, for example. And then it's less flexible than teleological ethics, which takes every single different ethical or moral decision into account when you're making a decision. So... Character-based, it's in that little sweet spot, you might think, with regards between the two. So there's some things that might be seen from a character base that are never acceptable, but equally there's some things where you might be able to flex and bend some rules in order to do, say, the most courageous thing. So in terms of how satisfactory virtue ethics is, its flexible nature does make it very satisfactory. If we take the one side of a deontological approach, that is so, so restrictive that people find a lot of problems with it and the fact that make it unusable. If we take the other side, teleological approaches are far too flexible and can pr- practically justify um, any action. Virtue in its flexibility sits nicely in between the two, therefore making it a lot more practical to use and a lot more satisfactory. As a result... Yeah, brilliant. Strength number three, virtue ethics focuses more upon what it actually means to be a human being rather than focusing upon moral dilemmas. Virtue ethics doesn't break down our actions into single events. It takes the narrative of history and of our lives into account, which is lovely, I think, for a theory to do that because normally we don't do that. We take each individual moral action that needs to be judged. Okay, so if we look back to our quote from Will Durant from previous episode, excellence is an art won by training and habituation. We do not act rightly because we have virtue or excellence, but rather we have those because we have acted rightly. 
We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. Um, so this point, again, linking it back to our key word in our question, how um, unsatisfactory or satisfactory is virtue ethics. Um, so the fact it focuses on what it means to be a human being or how to develop into a moral person rather than prescribing moral actions um, could be debatable. So some people may find this as a theory very unsatisfactory. People like guidance, people like rules, people like structure. Um, but we will look at that point when we look at weaknesses in the next episode. So for now, how can we make sure that we're emphasising that the fact it focuses on becoming a moral person is a satisfactory response. Um, Well, clearly, it links directly with what it is like to live as a human. Um, Very often in our lives when we're doing things, we don't get them right first time, we learn from our mistakes, and we have to practice in order to be good at something, whether that is a sport, whether that's writing an A-level RE essay. Whether it's a podcast. Whether it's a podcast. All of these things need practice. Um, So then to create a theory that doesn't involve practice seems kind of counterintuitive and and not very human-like. So it's definitely satisfactory that Aristotle's virtue ethics does focus on that. He recognises what it is to be a human and how humans learn and has developed his theory around that. So in terms of satisfactoriness... It is, is because it's practical. It works with us as we work towards doing good deeds. Mm. So strength number four, it allows for moral judgment. So it doesn't have the problem of deontological ethics where rules might conflict. It means that you don't have to be able to predict the future, which is one of the main issues with teleological ethics. Uh, This also means you don't have the ethical dilemma of doing bad things in order to get good results, or the deontological problem of obeying rules even when they cause harm. So the doctrine of the mean within virtue ethics means that virtue ethics is flexible with regard to situation and with regard to people. For example, fighting disease, fighting injustice, fighting a war, different things require different amounts of the virtues in order to be virtuous. Um, So this links to our ability to judge people morally um, by judging them in a different way. Although the situations might be different, we're able to recognise particular virtues as being present. For example, if someone is heroic, we can recognise the heroism in lots of different um, scenarios, Um, thus meaning it's a lot easier to judge people as being moral or immoral or developing the morality because it's easy to spot how moral they are. We are not judging it based on the actions or the outcome of those actions. This means that virtue ethics is a satisfactory theory because it helps our ability to uh, judge moral behaviour. So traditionally we would judge based on outcome, action or intention. But as we know by looking at other ethical systems that use these, those are very problematic. Um, Virtue ethics removes those problems by solely looking at the moral character of the person. And that takes us nicely on to strength number five, which is Virtue ethics allows for the virtues to differ between cultures. Now, I know that we've focused in previous episodes on Aristotle's virtue ethics and Aristotle's virtues, and that's because he came up with the ethical system, but it needs to, and it can do, bridge other cultures. And this links with the uh, ethical issue of um, cultural relativism. So this is something that spans uh, more than one 
ethical system and more than one approach. If you go into continue your study and look at meta-ethics, this is an issue within there. But Aristotle's virtue ethics does directly address this issue of cultural relativism. So it can be seen as a strength or can be seen as a weakness. And obviously, in this case, we're going to portray cultural relativism as a strength. So this is a strength because different character traits are considered virtuous in different cultures. So if you take Britain, for example, character traits that we might see as virtuous are very different to those character traits of people in China. It also allows for changes over time as well. So not only can the virtues change from culture to culture, but they can change within each culture. Um, So as a culture develops and adapts, different things will become virtuous at different times. Um, Virtue ethics allows for this adaptation to take place. This clearly shows that virtue ethics is very satisfactory because it can be used the world over. It doesn't exclude any particular group or any society of people. And that brings us to the end of our strengths of virtue ethics. We've picked five, five that we think are reasonably memorable and that are quite easy to link to any sort of evaluative point. So, again, just quickly to remind you that when you're answering a AO2 or an evaluation question or a 15 marker, however you want to call them, you need to make sure that you link to the nuanced words within the question. In this case, a character-based system of ethical decision-making is unsatisfactory, evaluate this claim. We've focused on that word unsatisfactory and said how, in actual fact, as we've been looking at the strengths, we believe it to be satisfactory. Make sure that you listen to our next episode on weaknesses because In that, we're going to be talking about the exact same question, about how it could be seen as unsatisfactory or satisfactory, but focusing on the unsatisfactory with it being weakness. And we're also going to bring to a close this question and look at a conclusion of how we might, well, how we might bring this question to a close. In addition to that, thanks for listening and make sure you get yourself subscribed and give us a five-star rating because nobody's got time for a four-star. Ta-ra!